Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Creanitators. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. Today, I'm excited to be joined by comics creator Jesse Sharon. We're going to be talking about the CNU as well as other comics projects going on. But the CNU is the one right now being funded by Iron Circus Comics. You can check out the funding that's going on. It has met the funding goal, 100% funded. So all of it from here is really just backing and making sure you get this work, which we're going to talk about in some detail. The CNU is, um, it's a, I suppose, dark-ish, but it's not too dark. You know, middle-aged retelling of The Little Mermaid, although I'm curious how much of a retelling it is versus sort of a total reimagining. And it's, uh, it's really a story about, like, friendship, and mermaids and also uh lots of other complex themes and stuff so jesse thanks so much for joining um let's start here with the scene you be here (laughs) i'm glad to have you yeah yeah how so for people who don't know the project like so this has been coming out it's been coming out digitally through um you know tapas and and webtoon and such how long have you been working on the scene you uh up to this point before you know prior to this funding project oh gosh about like five years which I always try. I always feel a little embarrassed about because it's it's well, it's a good sized book. It's over two hundred pages, but it took me five years to make it because while I was working on it, I would be doing other books for other people. Like I did a graphic novel for Mattel about five, six, seven, actually probably closer to like twelve children's books for different toy companies. Um, so uh, I would you know I would do other books for other people and then whenever I had a moment I would scrape together time for my own personal book but it was always like the number one thing I think about day and night was the CNU and getting back to it and drawing it so it took about five years but yeah I'm really happy with how it's looking so awesome awesome yeah no it seems like it's had a ton of fandom and like a, a really nice road to this point um how did you how did the the process of you getting in so like you have a season one that's done like if people want to check it out right now like it's out on webtoon or whatever they can read the first you know 80 some apps and it's like that season one getting it to print getting it funded for this project like what was the process there for getting connected with iron circus and and kind of going that route because iron circus has like an awesome awesome track record like like c spike trotman's putting out really really fascinating material um how'd you make those connections so it's a little bit of a funny story. I've been a big fan slash nerd for Iron Circus for a long time. Um, I think I first met Spike years and years ago. We were standing in line for a convention called Small Press Expo. But this was back when it was not a big deal. Like now it's huge. The convention yeah, yeah. like slammed. When I met Spike, uh, the convention would be half um, closed off so that nobody would wander into the empty areas of the hallway. <laughs> anyway so like one time we were in line and she was behind me and I just like turned around and I was like is this dumb but are you Spike and she was like that's me and I was like oh no she's really cool and she is (laughs) and um but ever since I had that moment I was like oh she's so cool I want to read every book that um you know anything associated with her so I was following uh Iron Circus online for a long time just as a fan Um, but as I was putting the comic up on Webtoon and and Tapas, because I was like, I always have a thing where I'm like, put the comics where people find comics. That's how I think of like, put them where people are, then they'll find it. And I was like, oh, I'm getting, you know, like tens of thousands of readers. I could probably send this to a company. Maybe somebody would want to publish it. And I was like, oh, I really want to send it to Iron Circus because to me, Iron Circus is like, if you love comics, the comics that are put out by iron circus are the people who love comics making comics it's like 
pure yeah. concentrated comics, highly, yeah. highly concentrated. So I was like, oh, I really want to put out a book with Iron Circus, but I don't know if I'm good enough yet. And um, they put out some other really great uh, YA books like Shadow Eyes and As the Crow Flies, um, really good stuff. And uh, also some other like um, all ages stuff like Rice Boy, which I love so much. But anyway, so I was like, I was nervous about it. And I literally had a dream that Spike, I was at a party with Spike and she put her arms around my shoulder and she said, I'm so glad we work together. And I woke up, and I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, it's destiny. It's not, it's not just a dream. Cause normally when you wake up from a good dream, you're disappointed. You're like, ah, that was just a dream. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. the sign, it's a sign. And shortly after that, sure enough, she put up a call for um, open submissions. And I was like, I'm doing it. So I sent it in and uh, I was very happy and pleased. I shouldn't say surprised. You should believe in myself, but um, they said yes. And um, we've been moving forward from there. So um, so that's what it's been. Uh, so currently, yeah, like the book is still up for free entirely online and um, for everyone to read. I am rambling. <laughs> Sorry. No, but, you're good. You're good. Like it's no, like that's, that's the whole, the whole point yeah. <laughs> is, um, uh, is to get you going and talking about it. So tell me then, like, so for the Iron Circus project, um, you know, you're getting this thing funded. Like what, what is the actual like product that comes out of this? And also, I guess, creatively, like what, if anything changes for you between, you know, what you have versus what it's going to sure. be? Oh, well, one thing I was really happy about was that they hired a letterer to re-letter all my word bubbles because while I am a multi-talented woman who can write and draw and animate and color, ah, cute letter. So they really hired a letterer. So that made me really happy because I want it to be very legible. Um, one, another thing is the campaign is mostly focusing on just getting the book printed in a beautiful, high quality way. It's going to have a glossy um, logo on the cover, which I'm really happy about. Um, Amanda, uh, Amanda, who works at the company, she designed the logo. And I literally got tears in my eyes when I saw it because I was like, it's so pretty. But um, uh, mostly, the, like I said, the campaign just focused on the book because I'm like, this is my first time ever crowdfunding. This is my first book that has just me writing it and drawing it. Um, with some assistance. Uh, so I wanted it to just solely be focused on the book. So that's what it is right now. It's like digital and um, the physical copy, uh, very high. Uh, like obviously with the internet, one of the things that always made me sad was I put a lot of detail into my pages. Like I would zoom in, you know, 400%. I'm drawing the eye shines and I'm like, when you post it on Webtoon or Tapas, the image gets shrunk. So I'm really excited. Mm -hmm to see that even the high definition PDF is like, oh, my colors, my, my resolution, it's finally there. But I'm also just really excited because when you make something for the website, especially something like Webtoon, I format all my pages just scroll vertically, which is how people read on their phones. Yeah. But for me, one of my favorite things about comics is laying out a comic book page. I study like Tezuka, the, you know, the creator of manga. He's like the master of laying out a page. So I uh, put a lot of thought into that. So getting to see that actual on the paper is something I'm pretty stoked about. Again, I'm being pretty nerdy, but I'm like, the layouts are primo. <laughs> no, I mean, hey, that's like, yeah, like this is a comic nerd audience. So like, yeah. you're perfect. I mean, so like, did you already have sort of layouts in mind, even I though did. you're posting vertically? Yeah. So um, like as you're going? Yeah, usually. So what I would do is like, I would set it up for print. And then I would slice up my pages and reformat them for uh, vertical scrolling on the computer. Uh, a lot of artists really cringe when you do that. It does kind of feel like taking sure, yeah. to your, you know, your beautiful canvas and going snip, 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 snip. But again, I'm like, 
well, if the readers like reading it that way on their phones, I'm going to meet them where they live. But the book version is like its true spirit, I guess is what I would say. So yeah. that's yeah. what I'm excited for. It is a funny, I, like I'm definitely, I'm slowly catching on to the Webtoon wave. Like I'm, yeah. I'm definitely old enough where like it's not my natural state of being, but then it's like, okay, no, there's a ton of great stuff here. I need to be keeping up with this. Yeah, um, exactly. but, but it is funny. It's so readable, yeah. but it is also like, there's, you know, clearly like, yeah, like you don't get the page layout. You don't get the page turn, right? You don't get certain elements that you can put in to the craft that can yeah. come through now when you have this print version, it's, you know, it's a different philosophy. Like I was really admiring, um, some comics I read on webtoon, they're not even like my jam. Like I'm a big nerd for like horror. So like, I'll be reading something and it's like a sci-fi shonen sort of, uh, action adventure. And I'm like, that's not really my thing, but mm. I'm reading it because I'm like, Ooh, this person is really utilizing this format in an interesting way. Mm. They're like, um, like, okay, one thing I love with physical comics is the way you can utilize a page turn for a dramatic pause, right? Or a sudden reveal. And you do the similar thing with a webtoon scroll, but you're utilizing the distance that a thumb scrolls an image to create a timing of mm. how the reader is going to read this page. It's really, it's almost like utilizing the audience as an aspect of the page layout. It's really cool. It's very philosophical and like heady to me, but I really dig it. So um, yeah, yeah. I'm like, some people are it, obviously like my heart is very much for, um, uh, oh gosh, Eisner, of course, Eisner is philosophies of laying out a page, even like Frank Miller and Junji Ito. Like I'm, my, my influences come from all over the place, but um, seeing what people are doing with a scrolling format is exciting. I think we haven't even begun to see what weird stuff people are going to do just by utilizing this different format. So sorry, yeah. nerd rambling about comics. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love it. No, it's, it's, it's so true though. It's like, I feel, it does feel like, okay, it's like Webtoon is huge. There's is so many readers, like people who go to their comic shops every week and don't touch this thing. They don't realize how right. big it is. Um, but it is interesting because it's like, okay, but how much more interesting can you get, right? How much right. more it's thought can you put starting. into it? It's just yeah. starting. We're gonna see some we're gonna see some stuff that'll blow our minds. I'm certain of it. And I'm gonna I'm trying to be one of those people and like I will be one of those people that will blow your minds eventually. Yeah. So but yeah. So so you mentioned uh you mentioned Junji Ito as an influence, which is something that just reading the scene you I would not have I would be like, Oh, really? Tell me more. But I checked <laughs> out the comic you're working on, the uh what is it, the other happy place? Yes. Right. And I see it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will never see centipedes the same way again. Uh, just checking out, <laughs> just checking out your art here. So you've got like, like you're real into horror and you got this new thing coming. Um, tell us a little bit about like balancing those, those impulses with the CNU and also being like, a, like really interested in horror, but then also like what's to come from that project. Like, will that sure. be on webtoon? Like what's the plan there? Sure. So like, a lot of people are, yeah, when, even when they meet me, they're like, you like Junji Ito? Same thing with when they meet Junji Ito. They're like, you're Junji Ito? Yeah, yeah, sure. If, if any readers or listeners don't know, he's an incredibly famous, very scary horror artist. But to me, one of the things he's really, really good at is he's, first of all, he's a master draftsman and he draws really beautiful human beings. So that's one of the things I always really try to strive for with the CNU is like that specific 
um, way of drawing a person where it's it's like every detail of that person you understand like that's how she moves her hair behind her ear that's how her skirt mm. folds it's like he's very um his his artistic philosophy is very like i will show you exactly who this person is and i always try to think about that when i was drawing the c in you and um because it is ya i'm always like pulling my punches a little bit because it is like it's a it's a friendship story with mermaids and love and and magic but i i like how fairy tales have that edge of danger to them i don't think we'd even find fairy tales as appealing as we do if they didn't have that like tooth beneath everything else you know what i mean like yeah. I mean, little kids, when you tell them, um, you know, Little Red Riding Hood, they like the part where she's picking flowers. They really like the part with the big, sharp teeth and it's oh, yeah. closer and Little Red Riding Hood doesn't know. Um, but well, that's what I really love about um, fairy tales and what I was thinking of philosophically while working on the CNU. I always like how a lot of comics that I love mix real, real, real human emotion um, with really fantastical situations. Like, how would I personally respond if I met a mermaid that eats people? And I'd be, mm -hmm. I'd be like mixed with awe and wonder, and I'd be afraid, and I'd be like, mm, probably don't get too close. And like those yeah. kind of things I like thinking about when I'm writing. Those are the things even when I was really, really young that made writing exciting to me was imagining real feelings mixed up with really weird situations. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's in the scene you it, it is like the book starts scarier. Yeah. And especially for a younger audience than than it ultimately becomes. And I won't spoil anything other than to say like having having read it somewhat recently, I have the back half more firmly in my head sure, where it's sure, more sure. right and it's more about the relationships and just like this beautiful friendship. But yeah, now that you say it, I'm like, "Oh yeah, the front half like yeah, this mermaid eats people." <laughs> like that's yeah, a yeah. that's a bit of a warning. I, a bit of a warning sign and they become friends despite that, right? Despite that, yeah. Although Skylar herself has never eaten a person other her sisters have. She was probably she was thinking about eating the at the beginning and then she was like, "No, I can't do it." And she chickened. Yeah, yeah. So, but um <laughs> but yeah, that horror edge like every almost every mermaid legend everywhere in the world has like watch out they're very pretty and they can be nice and they can be really cool but they can also sink boats or make you you know think you see something good and then walk off a cliff or it might just yeah. eat you because it's hungry so but i also found that kind of interesting like uh if you loved a being that was really different from you and also grew up in a culture that has completely different moral ideas how would you connect with that person and that was something I thought about a lot. That's why a big theme in this story is communication, because um, I think about how everybody is, that sounds so grim, but we are all kind of alone, right? We don't have psychic powers. We can't like, I can't beam how I'm feeling happy or sad into your head. So how do you bridge that gap? Well, you bridge it with words or you bridge it with pictures or you bridge it with sign language or um, you bridge it by trying to listen to someone who's really different than you. And uh, they even point out, you know, sometimes there aren't words for the differences you have. I've had friends from all over the world. Um, like I had a friend who spoke only Cantonese for the most part, and she was learning English and I was trying to learn a little Cantonese to speak with her. And she's like, she was trying to give me some advice about something. And then she just straight up went, ah, these words aren't in English. And I was like, oh no, what are we gonna do? There was, there was literally um, no bridge between these two points. But yeah, we yeah. were still really good friends. And I thought that was really cool. And I tried to put stuff like that in the story. Yeah, I tend to like that a lot in in sci-fi and in metaphor. You know, I think about a film like um, Arrival, I think oh, it is. Yeah, you know, where, yeah. Right, it's just all like, like at the heart of it, it's about like 
okay, we have tremendous differences as people and in the metaphor there is aliens, but it's like, here's how communication can be like the greatest gift in the world. Right. And it's so yeah. crucial here when you have, you know, a literal mermaid um, and, and she's trying to like, how do you form connections? How do you connect somebody that you don't seem to have anything in common with? Uh, and it's, it, it's what makes their friendship so incredible. I think as this thing goes, you know, one of the things that I really enjoy too, as you talk about the theme of communication is you weave in and incorporate sign language into um you know, what is a static visual medium? Uh, yeah. Was that challenging? Like, how did you kind of, you know, picture doing that? Super duper challenging because so many times I was wishing that um, I can make the comic move. And of course on paper, you can't, on the computer you can, but uh, drawing at least 24 frames a second of different movement is task, task heavy, I guess I'd say. So yeah, yeah. what I would try to do for every panel where there was sign language is, I would try to pick the most important word of the sentence and then the biggest motion of that word in sign language. So um, for instance, you know, there's a sign for hungry. So if somebody was saying, I'm very hungry, I, the sign I would do would be for hungry. And then the visual I would do would be whatever the most dramatic motion of that sign would be. So for hungry, the sign is like uh, your hand going up your neck. So that would be like, I would draw a hand at the bottom of the neck, hand at the top of the neck, and then some blur lines. And that would be like that implication. I was, um, my sister is actually a full-time uh, ASL interpreter at a school for children. Oh. So um, she taught me a lot and I learned a lot from uh, different websites and books. Again, it's very hard when you're learning entirely on your own, but I tried really hard to be respectful to the language and actually look at places where people are like, these are where you can actually learn. Cause there's other places where you're like, these are signs from 1980 and also they're uh, British and these will not be anything. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. People don't know that British sign language is completely different from American sign language. I had you no idea. Yeah. Swap them. Um, there's a book I really love um, called uh, the fireman by Joe Hill. Really, really good sci-fi horror, fun, really cool story. Um, but there's a character in it who does sign language and he's British. And then he says, oh yeah, my sign language has a British accent. And then like my friend who's actually um, deaf, hard of hearing, she was like, no, <laughs> she's like, no, you can't use completely different signs. It would be like, if I just went up to you and started speaking, I don't know, Italian, you'd be like, yeah, yeah. You, you might be able to get that I want something, but you won't get anything else out of it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fascinating. I had no idea. That's an interesting approach. Uh, yeah, no, because it's definitely as somebody who, who does not understand or, or know it. For me, I just kind of accept that like, you probably know what you're doing. Um, but I appreciate the level of thought that goes into that. And also just like, yeah, the way because you know, I think about comics that have done this, and it's not a heck of a lot of them. Uh, there's a famous yeah. issue of Hawkeye on the Marvel side where they, they kind of show signing and they show uh, Clint Barton like loses his hearing throughout that issue. Yeah, I looked and just a lot actually while I was doing this. Yeah. Cause I was like, these are very, very beautiful and very specific. So yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause David Aha is incredible, but it's like, it's, it's a lot of little panels minutia, to show yeah. all the movements. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all the minutia. Absolutely. His, his philosophy was very, I will show you every tiny bit, but it kind of worked with his styling, which is very clean and like almost flow charty looking. That sounds insulting. I don't mean it that way, but like that. No, I, I know what you mean, though. Yeah, yeah. Like Tintin kind of has that hyper clear line art, too. It's like um, it's it really works when you're showing tiny little bits. It's like really satisfying when someone's showing like they'll open up a piece of machinery and they'll see all the gears inside. That kind of art style looks really good with showing tiny bits. But since my style, I try to focus a lot on like 
ex human expression and emoting in the face and hands, I would try very hard just to focus on like a distinct motion more than like, these are the exact educational, here's how you move your fingers to say this word. So, yeah. but I think both approaches are good, um, but I've gotten nice feedback from people with, uh, so uh, actual deaf readers. And I was able to have a very, very short conversation with the, with the sign language I know with some readers, which was very fun. Um, then they started going very fast and I had to sign apologetically. I don't know that many words. And then they laughed. So that was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was okay. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Um, so with the CNU, like the one, the tagline and kind of a hook that, that can easily sell people is like, okay, it's like an inversion on the little mermaid. And right. what I'm curious is um, how much are you deliberately playing with what people know about the little mermaid versus like that just being such a force in pop culture that if there's a mermaid, like folks just immediately bring their own assumptions to that. Like how much of that is intentional versus just readers kind of bring that to the party? You're fun. You're the first person who actually asked me that. Like every, All right. every two people tend to assume which one or the other. Um, so when I first got the idea for the story, it was straight up me reading Hans Christian Andersen's Little Mermaid and being like, oh man, what would I do if I knew her? Like that really even when I was a kid, the story really broke my heart because I was like, oh, why isn't nobody even trying to talk to her? Give her give her a stick and some dirt. Give her a pen. Yeah, yeah. Or something. Like, I know she only has three days, but I feel like if if I met someone and they were like, they seemed like they had something very important to say, I'd be like, we're going to work this out. We'll find a way for you to communicate. Mm -hmm. So I started thinking, well, what if somebody who met that mermaid had known sign language? And then I started like evolving the story from there. But as I was doing it, um, it started getting further and further away from that original tale. And so I, first of all, just like making the two leads both being girls as and both having it set in a modern time, it starts making the story go off on its own little path. It's like how you put a rock in a stream and it starts dividing from the stream. It's kind of like that. Every time I added a rock, it was like, getting further and further away but in a cool way because obviously you're still using water from the same stream right but you're yeah. making it go a new direction so that's kind of how i thought of it i kind of also thought of it like how you know drac uh vampire books there's ton how many ten thousand million bo vampire books mm -hmm. but you would say probably every one of those vampire books at least knows of Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, right? So I kind of thought of Hans Christian Andersen's Little Mermaid as my Dracula. I'm telling a mermaid story, but with these, like, what if a mermaid works like this? And what if they have these rules? And like, what if this is how it works? And yeah. I kind of have it in the story B that the mermaids in my story know the Hans Christian Andersen story, but what the version but what version they tell is not the same version. So on the one hand, I wanted to be true to the spirit of the story, but on the other hand, I really wanted to make it my own. Um, as you know, the original Little Mermaid story has a very tragic ending. And as I was making it, and I really started getting attached to these characters and realizing it kind of has like a queer bend, I was like, I don't really feel like burying my gaze. So I started I started working on, uh, on uh, how to make the story feel true without being phony was what I tried to think about a lot. Mm. So that's um, a, that's a nice way to put it. Cause I, I, so like on one hand, like making it your own certain elements about like, you know, she's got the, um, 
uh, Skyla, the mermaid, yeah. has like all these tiny dads and a giant mom. Yes. <laughs> like, I just, I love that design or element. Fathers, yes. <laughs> yeah, that was super fun. Um, but then in terms of like, yeah, not not taking shortcuts, making it feel like real. Um, what kind of stories? Because one, of, I think one of the most complex things you deal with here is the boyfriend of Corinth, uh, Seth, who's clearly like this emotionally abusive character. And it's a, I thought I thought a challenging thing to sell because you have to. I, it, what it seemed to be you were doing in the story was walking this line between like he's horrible and we all hate him, but also selling it being kind of believable and and kind of getting that nuanced understanding of like, well, what is what is Corinth, what is her reaction to all this, and why is she with him in the first place, and these sorts of things, right? Um, how did you make it so it like wasn't too infuriating <laughs> to the point of like non believability, you know? You know, what's really funny is, um, so I, first of all, that's a, that's a complicated one, right? Because it's a really touchy issue and it was a tricky one to even want to put in a fictional story with all these fun elements. But, uh, you know, it's something a lot of people deal with all the time. And I think, uh, from the outside, people often feel really confused by it. They're like, oh, why is this person with that crummy guy? And why won't, they, why won't, oh my goodness, literally every loud sound is happening. <laughs> I'm trying to talk about the most difficult part of the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's impressive you can do the podcast while you're standing on a motorcycle. Yeah. On it's, That's it's, pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Do you know I literally own a parrot and he is outside of my door and he's mad that I'm not letting him in the interview? And <laughs> he's, he's letting me know. And I'm like, yeah. shush. Uh, anyway, uh, so when I was writing the story, uh, especially Corin's uh, relationship with Seth, her boyfriend, which is very emotionally abusive, um, I would try really hard to write it with as much sensitivity as possible. Um, of course, you know, you draw from experiences in your life, but I also would make sure to run my story past other people. And what was interesting was every time I tried to like uh, tone Seth down, uh, I would have people being like, wow, that exact same, same thing happened to me, except it was way worse. And then they would tell mm. me a way more upsetting story. And when I was reading books like uh, Why Does He Do That by Lundy Buncraft, which is a book on um, uh, uh, abusive relationships, for particularly abusive men, um, uh, I tried to make sure that I would be realistic in terms of behavior. Uh, because a lot of times what happens is the person doing these things, he he or she doesn't really think they're doing anything wrong. A lot of times they feel wronged. And that makes the person getting hurt feel very confused because they're like, well, uh, I'll try harder. I'll be nicer. And I wanted to show that from the inside because I think a lot of times we assume, not we, you and me, but it's society sadly assumes that victims of abusive relationships are stupid or naive or... Um, uh, you know, maybe if somebody just yelled at them, they'd get a clue. But then when you see it from, you know, their day to day, you see, oh, this is a person who's very kind, uh, who loves someone very much. And that person keeps throwing them off their balance. And it's like, how do you get lost out of the woods when your compass is broken is how I kind of think of it. So right. it's like, um, I want it to be very respectful and understanding to people who are dealing with that. And also I wanted to show them because as you know, without too many spoilers, Skylar helps Corinth see, you know, you don't deserve to be treated this way. You're a lovely person and you deserve good, happy times and a good relationship. 
And I kind of hope if any young readers, because I've had quite a few read my story and share very deep and heavy and sad stories with me, I hope that when they read it, they think, oh, I deserve to be treated better too. Maybe I could talk to someone and they can help me because nobody deserves to be talked to the way Corinth is talked to in the book. A lot of times I would write these scenes and I'd cry. I'd actually have to take a break because I'd feel so sad. And I'm like, this is a fake person and I'm getting really deeply emotionally distraught. Yeah. But I, I think a lot of writers feel that way. We, we get really attached to our little fake people. But, uh, yeah, no, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's sold very, very well, I think the relationship and it's, I think one of the things that really works in the CNU is you, we're all, I think everyone reading this is waiting for Corinth to like, to have that moment, Yeah, you know, but it, but it doesn't come too fast. Um, and it, and it really adds to sort of the weight of it, um, to how much it sucks, yeah. to how hard it is to get out of that, you know, cause if it's too easy two then it's it almost um diminishes yeah the reality right of of that abusiveness so yeah i mean i think the timing of it and kind of just how skyla and corinth's relationship has to develop to get to that point it works out really really well so all right so that's that's kind of season one right yeah. and again i don't want to say too much because people should check it out um what kind of stories and in, in like uh you know planning do you have going like how much do you have planned for these characters i guess going forward um you know we, we're going to get book one out there seeing you's going to be out through iron circus what's your hope beyond that point so my current hope is i'm hoping the book will do really well and it's going really well so far so that's hope is doing well but what i want to do for the i'm jokingly calling it season two uh, but, uh, cause I kind of, I watch a lot of anime, so I'm always like, a season two yeah, yeah, sure. of my uh, webtoon, but, uh, for season two is going to be a little more of a lighthearted, a little more romantic, very silly, fun adventure, um, yeah. which, hi, gosh, how do I talk about it without spoiling the end of the comic? Well, where the characters are at the end of the story is, uh, open enough that they are going to go on an adventure where they're going to solve a new issue, but together. So um, uh, it'll be a lot about their friendship and uh, maybe Skyla really opening up with how she might actually deeply feel about Corinth is a lot of the story there. But it's also going to be a good time. Um, I want the story to feel kind of like a big hug. That's <laughs> how I describe yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, and then the opposite end, I'm working on a horror story, which has nothing to do with the CNU. So like the, sometimes the scarier one thing I'm working on is the more I want to work on something happy. So, yeah. Um, Got that balance going. Yeah. Very, very good. Very good. You know, it's it's hilarious when I was reading on um, Webtoon and I was going through this, like the readership on that app is so invested. They're in, so invested. It, like in the story as a whole, but like in Corinth and Skyla specifically, like yeah. every top comment is like, make them kiss. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're like They're so ready for it. It's I, hilarious. The Webtoon readers... I know some people have had bad experiences. I have had nothing but nice experiences with my Webtoon readers. They're so funny because um, with apps like Tapas and Webtoon, they get an instant alert on their phone whenever I update the comic. So yeah. I would like, you know, I'd, I'd hit, you know, send. A lot of times I, when you finish a page, you're very tired, especially with a full color page. So, you know, yeah. I, I would post the update and then I hit send and I'd be like, does anyone care? And then instantly I'd have like a hundred comments in the bottom from people being like, make them kiss. And I'm like, well, some people care. 
<laughs> very good, very, very good. Invested. All right, cool. So this is good. This is gonna be through Iron Circus. We'll include links here in the show notes so people can check this out. Um, but yeah, then we got we got more seeing you maybe down the road and uh, and the other like what's the what's the timing? What's the plan for the other happy place? Like when you expect well, people to see that? Uh, currently, it's just in like the uh, the concept art stage. So I want everyone to follow the uh, the Twitter for that. It's just at other happy place. But yeah. um, I'm working with a, a writer friend right now. She's helping me uh, tighten up an outline for a story that I'm going to put up for sale probably on like itch.io. So that'll be like a little self-contained, um, let's say appetizer of what I want that full story to be. So okay. that'll be coming out in, let's say, let's say two months after this, the campaign of the CNU is over. So more towards the fall for the other happy place. Okay. Um, the campaign for the CNU is running till the end of June this month. And then the book is scheduled to come out in January, which I'm very excited about because I want to hold my book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. See it out in the world. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this has been great. Uh, Jesse, where, where else should people find you? Where else should people look for your work? Uh, I'm always on Twitter too much. Uh, but my name is at Jesse Sharon. Uh, my other work is, uh, like I said, at uh, the other uh, at other happy place. That's uh, where I post a lot of stuff. I also have a personal art website. I can send you a link to that um, because it's like type out my full name dot the west of the, <laughs> the website. But I have a I have a an art portfolio site and I have um, Twitter, which is where I'm the most addicted. Uh, I'm trying to use Tumblr and Instagram and TikTok more too, but it's hard to do eighty five thousand social medias. I don't I know. know anyone does that i i admire everyone <laughs> yeah yeah right people can pull that off are yeah. are impressive in yeah. a way yeah they are <laughs> right. scary it and impressive. difficult yeah. yeah all right awesome all right. jesse this has been a blast i appreciate you joining and uh everybody check out seeing you we'll find links here in the show notes all right thank you thank you